Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Kids are going back to school, and there's a whole bunch of really big issues facing school districts across central Indiana. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's out today. Ethan Hatcher in for Casey. And when we talk public education, when we talk education, period, let's go to the one man. He is our expert source here on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Tony Kennett joins us now. How are you, my friend? Always stellar. All right. So before we get into these kind of specific big issues facing various school districts across central Indiana, I struggle with uh, this. It's sort of a conundrum because on one hand, the Republican Party in Indiana says, well, public schools are so out of control. We've got to throw more money than ever before at the voucher system, the private school system. We've got to get kids out of the public school system because it's so darn bad. Then on the other hand, they throw more money than ever before at the public education system. How do these two things square up? Well, they don't because the money's not being spent appropriately, especially when you take a look at uh, the the way that public schools allocate those funds. Uh, I have advocated that schools should be required to spend certain percentages of money in certain areas so that schools can't take massive chunks of their budget and apply it to things that are really stupid and silly, for example, like astroturfing your football field. Uh, Those are kinds of things that don't help kids read. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, the material your football field is made out of has no impact on literacy. And uh, it's just one of those things that it sounds like common sense, but yet there are public schools in Indiana that struggle with spending their money correctly. They may have equity officers who don't help kids read, but yet they make six-figure salaries and all kinds of nonsense like that. So the long and short of Indiana is is we have a Republican Party that spends money uh, like old people date, and the answer to that is poorly. So this is just something that we were going to have to reckon with. Battleground states don't have this problem because if the party doesn't spend the money appropriately, they lose the next election. We don't have that problem because uh, most of our Indiana GOP elected representatives are very lazy. Here's the other side of this. Tony Kennett, our guest. Uh, It's our back-to-school edition of our our, uh, regular chats with Tony. My other side of this is when I see people and how they judge the government, and and, whether it's everything from uh, public media to a towny chatterboard, etc. Man, people really hate the government and are super critical of the government and they're bad at this and they're bad at that. Except when it comes to the schools and the behavior and the stuff they uh, uh, allow to happen with the schools or they excuse with the schools. It is unbelievable the stuff they're allowed to get away with that no other agency of, of government, your town, your city, your county, your your library. I mean, everybody's held to this, this bar top over except the school systems. Why are they allowed to get away with the stuff no one else is? I mean, imagine if we looked at the Indiana's uh, justice system and and we we took a look at the the officers that we were graduating from academies and we had a a 50 percent success rate at graduating officers from the academy or we graduated them. And then those officers had no idea what the basic laws were in Indiana. We would get rid of so many people so fast. However, our literacy rate in the state is worse 
than that at a lot of our public school systems. And we just say, well, what they really need is just a friendly pat on the butt and more money. (laughs) Even our school choice system is outdated. The voucher program thing, yeah, it's not the most efficient way to spend taxpayer money. Education savings accounts are the best way. Vouchers do not apply to a whole host of things, including helping get kids uh, certain medical assistance that they need or allowing parents to spend education money the way they want. And again, this is the same old, same old. We don't have to actually spend money appropriately. We don't have to be accountable. And there's this very lazy lag. It's like watching a Nikki Haley campaign. <laughs> so uh, real quick, and then we'll get to the specific things going on in these various school districts across central Indiana. This uh, Republican primary, I, I don't think I'm going to endorse anyone, certainly not yet, because I feel like each one of them will let me down in their, their own way. However, I'm kind of cheering for Curtis Hill because, well, one, he'll make Holcomb miserable, and I want to see Hup for have to defend Curtis Hills, the nominee next year. Also, I think he might do some kind of wacky outside the box stuff. Like he might make you the superintendent of education. I can neither confirm nor deny that uh, I have been approached before by the Hill campaign about becoming the next state superintendent of education. That, However, that, how if you could confirm that, I would. I think if you were to say, Rob, I would absolutely be the next superintendent if Curtis Hill's elected governor. That might push me over the edge to do a formal endorsement for Curtis Hill. Uh, I I'll say this: if if the the governor at some point of our state asks me to serve the, the parents and families of Indiana, I will do so because I feel like that's my job. I feel like that's my responsibility. However, in the case of the gubernatorial race, I can I can't endorse candidates, but I can surefire tell you who I am no way considering voting for at all, and neither is anyone else. Uh, who uh, is that? Braun, would you like to, Would you like to name names? I sure would. Braun, number one. Uh, Suzanne Crouch, number two. And then that one third person that people are speculating is going to enter the race, Chambers or something that no one has heard of outside of the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, So when you look at those three candidates, you might be like the drunk person that doesn't know how many fingers someone is holding up because they all look the same. They all act the same. They all talk the same. There isn't any decent policy proposal that is yet to come out of Braun or Crouch's mouth or this other third dude, Chambers or whatever. Doden has his issues, but he has been shown to change some policy stances based on conversations with voters. And then, like you said, with Curtis Hill, Curtis Hill is the only interesting candidate at this point on social media and in front. That's why he's winning some polls, because he's willing to say, you know what? We don't need a bunch of this garbage in the state government. What if conservatives were actually conservative? Yeah. And that actually seems to be effective. I know. Shocker. Tony Kenna, our guest. Okay, let's get to some of these wild and wacky things going on at these very school districts. What is going on with Hamilton Southeastern and this dress code? People are losing their minds up there. Seems pretty straightforward to me. What am I missing? So, uh, first of all, the majority of schools in the state have a dress code. And the dress code basically says there are certain lines we have to draw because as a teacher and as every single teacher with a brain on earth will tell you, students are great at finding the line (laughs) of what is and isn't allowed. And they will push, 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 push as far as they can to get over that line without getting in trouble. That includes things like the dress code. So you know what? You kind of have to define what crosses the line in dress codes. It has to be on paper because otherwise, and people naturally seem to do this whenever there's some kind of an issue, they'll go, well, where's that written down now? Like where's actually the law that says I can or can't And that's what people do naturally. And so you have to define those things. Now, that upsets the libs because they're like, well, you can't tell a girl not to not wear a two and a half inch skirt. Oh, my God, you racist, sexist pig. 
No, you need standards. I'm sorry. It's a public education system. That means that there has to be a common standard of ethics and a common standard of rules that make it easier on your staff to enforce certain things at the school. There have been board members that have said that they can't enforce a dress code because then the school would be required to provide uniforms for students. That, first of all, that's not how that works. Number two, this is what happens when you elect liberal school board members that can't read. Uh, <laughs> this is really just another case of, of Fisher's. The Fisher's liberals freaking out. God forbid that there aren't a bunch of liberals trying to teach kids about gender fluidity sitting on the school board or like Michelle Fullhart hiring members of the actual county Democrat Party to serve on the school board. Uh, Tony Kennett, our guest, a couple of minutes left here with him. Uh, so earlier this week, we had the attorneys for the special needs student in Brownsburg who was forced to eat his own vomit. They laid out and this is un- well, it's totally believable knowing who runs Brownsburg school system. But to the average person, totally unbelievable. According to them, the school system is like strong arming the kid and the family in terms of not making it difficult for him to go to school somewhere else and difficult for her to make sure she can take care of her family unless she comes back to work and is subjected to the environment in which her kid was forced to eat vomit. If that's true, and I have no reason to doubt it wasn't, they laid it out in intricate detail. That's unbelievable. And everybody, no matter where you live, should be appalled by that. Am I wrong? Uh, Yeah, of course they should be, but they also should know this happens way more than they know. It's very common for the door to close, whether it's the classroom door, whether it's the office door, the administrator's door, and the person looks at you and says, okay, look. And then you get the whole spiel that is not meant for public ears, where you're just going to have to suck it up because I'm tired of dealing with this. And that's Brownsburg. And that's really the majority of school districts that have dealt with some kind of drama in the public eye in the last couple of years. There's the public face, the communications angle. I mean, good Lord, Pendleton is actually hiring a communications director after that whole <laughs> shebang with uh, firing the teacher or is excuse it, me, the is, counselor. Is that the one where so, you got is that the one where you got removed from the meeting by the cops? That is the one where I was removed from the meeting from uh, by the cops. Of course, you won't hear the Indy Star writing about that. They're they're uh, not interested when conservatives are thrown out. Of just, just lunatics at a library board meeting in uh, in Hamilton County. Yes. Yeah. If I would have slammed books down and threatened the room, yeah, yeah. See, then I would be the hero. Yes. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, not at all. I mean, it's again, it's just an, an same stuff, different day. It's a day ending in Y. You're going to have a school board that, that will come out in front of the media or an administration that comes out in front of the media and goes, oh, we're so sorry. Oh, this should never have. Ha- I don't know how. Who hired that guy? And, and you know, of course, they're the ones that, that hired yes. the, the offending parties. But then when the door shuts. It's okay. That was for the media. This is the real world. We have to, you know, I'm tired of people calling me about this. You're just going to have to suck it up. Uh, before, I mean, I let, before, before I let you go, uh, you do have free reign here. You have about a minute. Uh, I know Hammer and Allison weren't letting you have it yesterday when you filled in for Nigel, but you totally can't hear. You can tell everyone how much Taylor Swift sucks. Go ahead. <laughs> I was asked a question yesterday. Um, as to whether I thought that Taylor Swift still put on a good concert. And uh, I was asked if I was a Swifty. And no, I I despise Taylor Swift. I I received a lot of angry messages because fans of Taylor Swift think no one is allowed to dislike Taylor Swift. And uh, the point that I made was that all of her albums are the exact same. And no, I don't mean the genre of music. (laughs) I mean, the story is the same. She falls in love with the dude. The dude's a bad decision. She dumps the dude. She is a strong woman. That's every album. 
And uh, I think that uh, grown adults who are her fans are fine. I don't care what you want to listen to. I just think objectively, by the music, she is an unoriginal artist. And by the way, most of her songs also follow the same generic four-chord pattern that the majority of pop music follows. Yeah, so. no, no, you're you're 100% right, Kenneth. She's been doing the same sh- song and dance basically literally for 15 years and it's she picks a bad guy a guy that anybody with any common sense would know is a bad choice she makes the choice anyway guy does what everyone told her the guy was going to do and then it's everyone's fault but hers that she made a terrible choice you're 100 percent right apparently saying that makes me some kind of snobby arrogant jerk because i have an opinion on on an artist i don't remember asking people to like fleetwood mac i know they have a bevy of problems i like their music that's the way it is <laughs> he is he is the best find him over at the daily signal the great great tony kennett thank you my friend thanks dude it's 93 wibc the kennel and casey show whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. <laughs> You've gotten so much traction out of that guy. Oh, it's great. <laughs> I do love it. It's the Kendall Casey Show, 93 WIBC. I'm Rob Ethan Hatcher's in for Casey today. Kev's here. What in the world has happened to Rudy Giuliani? Um, the, look, the decline of Rudy Giuliani is truly a very sad state of affairs Amer- American tale because it, there was at one point where Rudy Giuliani was among the most revered members of American society. He was America's mayor. Do you remember that nickname? <laughs> Youth go back to even pre mayor days rudy giuliani was the guy a revered member of the city of new york who took down the mafia down the mob i mean he went from taking down the mafia to totally cleaning up new york as mayor it was a you know renaissance for new york and then obviously his uh, many people would say heroic actions in the aftermath of 9-11 I mean, he was at one point viewed as a front runner to secure the Republican nomination for president in a post George W. Bush Republican Party. And that didn't work out. And from there, it has just been this, you know, that was 2008. It has just been this decline where he became a character of himself. And, you know, he was making bizarre statements and actions as Trump's attorney and the hair dye going down the side of his face what's and- your what's your favorite rudy moment is it the hair dye oh, yeah. for me it's the four seasons because <laughs> i liked when he showed up next to the porn shop at the landscaping company because yeah. somebody made a mix-up like i would have just called that event off but you know clearly mistakes were made so he is being sued now by a former employee of his okay. um for 10 million dollars and in this 70-page complaint, there are all sorts of graphic allegations and text messages, the allegation that he forced her to have sexual intercourse with him, um, and apparently some of the statements made by Giuliani allegedly were recorded, and they are now in this filing, and it's just so unbecoming of a guy who was once of his stature if indeed it's true and the fact that apparently there is an audio recording of it would lead one to believe it actually happened um boy it's just 
it's unbelievable when you read the transcript. I mean, it might be a little bit uncouth, but you can't tell me that these weren't two adults involved in what one might construe to be a consensual exchange of some kind. Uh, the woman in question, Noel Dunfrey, according to Google image searches that I may have engaged oh, in, no. appears to be uh, quite a well-assembled character uh-huh. uh, in the halls of politics. And the multitudinous number of photographs with her and Rudy would appear to suggest that she is a woman who comprehends and understands the assets she brings to the table and is willing to, shall we say, exploit or leverage those for advancement as some individuals historically have been known to occasionally do. So for her to now cry foul here seems unfair to me. So Daily Beast had the article. Ted Goodman, who is a political advisor to Giuliani, told them that it was a consensual relationship and this lady was, quote, making harassment claims against men for the purpose of making money. So the story here, though, is the uh, audio that has apparently been transcribed in these documents. <laughs> and I'm going to do my best to read the transcript, yet keep our license to broadcast here on these very valuable airwaves. So I've cleaned this up. Yeah, this uh, is one of the seven deadly, uh, seven dirty words. Uh, well, there. Yeah. So I'm cleaning this up for, uh, <laughs> you know, our younger members of the audience. I'm going to use the word hits to use in place of the word that I cannot could, say. Could you say breasticle? I'm going to use the word hits. Okay. Uh, and for those of you, this word is very close to that word. All right. Are we ready? Sure. Here we go. This is Rudy Giuliani uh, allegedly speaking to this woman. Come here, big hits. Come here, big hits. Your hits belong to me. Give them to me. I want to claim my hits. I want to claim my hits. I want to claim my hits. These are my hits. That's the guy who was once America's mayor. Well, look, what goes on between consensual adults in private time is between those individuals who consent to such activity. I mean, correct? I guess. But this is, look, this is, this is, I agree with the sentiment. This is why, if you are in a position of management, you don't engage or oversight or whatever, you do not engage in a relationship of any sort. With your employees, leave the employees alone. You're Rudy Giuliani. You have enough access and resources to have. If you're looking for someone with with hits that are of a certain shape, form, or fashion, you have the ability to find that person outside of the workplace. And this is why you don't. And there's just a long list of quotes from Giuliani in this article (laughs) that are very similar to what we just read. It's just, I don't know, man. It's just sad to see this guy who was once such a revered member of society end up like this. But with this, ha- this with is the it. way everything's going. Everything is a cartoon show. It's a clown It's a clown show. Yeah, but... It's man, ridiculous. I this mean, is just part of the circus. He's got the hair dye <laughs> down the side of his face. I mean, it's, uh, it's wild. Okay, it's Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob. Ethan's in for Casey. When we come back, Al Sharpton. You know Al Sharpton? He, uh... 
he's apparently not very good at history because, wow, he said something that was just unbelievable. We'll play it when we come back. Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. Sharpton is not very good at history. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Kemp's here. Ethan Hatcher in for Casey today. So Al Sharpton still has his regular gig over there at MSNBC appearing on various programs from time to time. And I have no idea why, uh, but he is still a thing. And as a thing, he was asked to weigh in on Trump and the latest indictments against Trump and all things about Trump, whatever the words they use now are insurrection or whatever it is. And Ethan, I'm just going to play this audio for you and I'm going to allow you then to respond to it and see if you catch on to the, well, fairly glaring mistake that Al Sharpton made in his response. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, let's go. One day, our children's children will read American history. And can you imagine our reading that James Madison or Thomas Jefferson tried to overthrow the government so they could stay in power? That's what we're looking at. We're looking at American history. Did you hear that? Yeah. Would you like to hear it again? Yeah. Let's uh, let's repeat that for added effect. (laughs) (laughs) one day our children's children will read american history and can you imagine our reading that james madison or thomas jefferson tried to (laughs) overthrow the government so they could stay in power that's what we're looking at we're looking at american history i can't imagine what it would have been like (laughs) for james madison to overthrow the government in fact They wrote books about it. <laughs> that was maybe you should have maybe should have clarified. You know, can you imagine if James Madison tried to overthrow the government they just created? Like, I get, I think that's. Let's be charitable and say that's what he meant. <laughs> Here, look, this is the reality. And if you read the Federalist Papers, which are every person should do this, it should absolutely be taught in the public education system. But that would be mean that kids would actually be informed about their government and the special place of America and the special creation of this country and appreciate this country more and we can't have that but if you read the Federalist Papers it is very clear the founding fathers envisioned that there would be attempts to push back against this government overthrow this government whatever phrase you want to use every 50-ish years They never envisioned a world in which this government would sustain itself for 240 plus plus years. I think in many ways, they would be very proud at how it held up. And I think in many ways, they would be mortified at what the government has become. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag. But the founding fathers, I mean, there's the famous quote by Thomas Jefferson, you know, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time time to time with with the blood of tyrants or what you know whatever the the quote is that's where it what it's housed out of it's not exactly that and it's not exactly speaking to that but the founding fathers it was very clear 
never envisioned a world in which people wouldn't rise up against the government because they believe government was evil and probably needed to be ro- risen, risen up, rised up, risen up, risen up against. <laughs> well, that's why they uh, constructed into the Constitution the ability for the document to continue adapting and changing with the times as amendments were passed through the Congress. Yeah, and I mean, Al Sharpton. Or through the states in Article 5. Let's not overlook that. Al Sharpton is an idiot and once again proved what an idiot he actually is, but on top of that, I'm sure and he has absolutely no idea. The Founding Fathers could have never envisioned a world in which the government actually sustained itself for this long. It is the Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. I'm Rob Ethan Hatchers in for Casey today. Uh, this is, we have to play this. This is a random, confused, likely accidental act of journalism that broke out uh, over at CBS. Uh, we have played this guy several times over the last week, Dan Goldman. He is a U.S. rep from New York, and he was the guy who came out and was like, Devin Archer said that, uh, you know, they never specifically uh, engaged in business talk. They probably talked about the weather. Who knows what they talked about? Yeah, but he was talking to his business associates. Yeah, they probably talked about the weather. Who knows? <laughs> now, of course, here's the problem. The transcript from the actual testimony of Devin Archer was not made available until yesterday. So you're just taking these lawmakers, which, by the way, I love the fact that we have this closed door testimony. It's such a big deal that we have to have it behind closed doors. And then immediately guys on both sides just sprint out and tell you what the guy said. So on one hand, it's so secretive. We can't do it in front of everybody. But then within minutes, both sides are running out sprinting out giving you two different versions of what was said and you're going well then what was what was actually said and now it turns out and this is cbs reporting so it's not breitbart it's not newsmax it's not the washington uh, you know examiner it's cbs said that apparently goldman lied to america about devin archer's actual testimony Well, earlier this week, we just had to rely on the characterization from Republicans and Democrats about Devin Archer's testimony, but now we can see the full transcript. Uh, You'll recall that Democrat uh, Congressman Dan Goldman said that Archer testified that it was the illusion of access Hmm. to Joe Biden that Hunter Biden was offering to these clients. But in fact, when you look at the transcript, what you see is that that phrase, illusion of access, is in Dan Goldman's question. Mm. It's actually not what Devin Archer testified to. He says, yes, but that's not quite fair. This was about showing that there was the signal that there's influence and, and access here. So he lied. He knew exactly what the guy said, and he went out to the entire nation, and he lied. Just like Adam Schiff lied for years about having evidence of Russian collusion. Yeah. This shows what a bunch of sociopaths these people are, that he knows the transcript is going to come out. He knows the transcript is going to be made readily available within days to everyone. And they are so addicted to lying that he sprints out in front of the entire world and lies to them. Well, there are no white hats in government, Rob. You know this. There are only black hats. And he knew damn well what he was trying to do and attempt to shape the narrative, which will, for some people, succeed in, in order to cater to his base. I'm, I'm sure, you know, those hollow, untrue words will ring 
and and uh, resonate. Uh, we've got to talk about Diego Morales for a minute. Oh, your favorite subject. Well, we have not talked about him in a very, very, very long time. You remember Diego Morales? I he is, do. He, he is the guy that somehow magically found a way to cast a vote in a county different from where he was taking his homestead uh, credit. Uh, he is the, uh, well, he's now the Secretary of State for the state of Indiana. Remember him? He's the guy who bought the uh, $43,000 campaign car and then had pledged mm-hmm. to sell the car after he won and is still hanging on to the car and doing who knows what. I mean, we don't have time to go into all the Diego, relive all the Diego Morales um, just saga and the Republicans in the state felt he was the most qualified person to oversee elections in Indiana despite being fired from the Secretary of State's office once at least that's what the paperwork says under Todd Rokita and then quitting right before it appeared he's about to be fired again under the next Secretary of State Charlie White uh, again he was elected I mean the, the, the Diego Morales is definitive proof it absolutely does not matter your competency it absolutely does not matter if you're qualified to do the job it absolutely does not matter what you are or what you've accomplished or in his case not accomplished if you have an r next to your name we will vote for you in this state because not being a democrat is all that really matters so what's diego up to now well indiana capital chronicle with a new uh story out posted um diego is from guatemala which is fine that's great there's many fine people who have immigrated this country and done phenomenal things However, Diego Morales has now decided that it would be a good use of 22,300 taxpayer dollars, according to Indiana Capital Chronicle, to go to the country of Guatemala to observe their elections. Interesting. And what does the Secretary of State for the state of Indiana uh-huh. have any interest in the elections of Guatemala? How? How does that connect? And boy, is that one expensive airplane trip to Guatemala. I'm not going to say that this is a guy who just wanted a taxpayer-funded trip to his country of origin. But without saying that, here's his quote. I made it a goal at the start of my administration to lead a bipartisan delegation to county clerks to be international election observers. Huh? Quote, I'm very passionate about putting Indiana on the international stage while providing Hoosiers a front row seat to see the world. I don't need a ta- huh? I don't need a front row seat to see the world, Diego. I certainly don't need twenty two thousand three hundred dollars of my money to see the world. If you want to see the world, why don't you use your own money? You have plenty of it because you're a secretary of state who rough makes roughly six figures and you're about to get a gigantic raise thanks to the Indiana General Assembly passing raises for all statewide office holders. Use your own money if you'd like to have a front row seat to the rest of the world. Why the state of Indiana needs to pay for you to be in Guatemala to observe elections is 100% beyond me. Well, let's not kid ourselves also uh, increasing the prominence of Indiana globally. Ha! If you ask the average Guatemalan citizen where Indiana (laughs) was on a map, much like asking a Hoosier to identify where Guatemala is, neither group would be able to tell you because we got other things going on in our life and thinking about far-flung corners of the world usually isn't part of the day-to-day. Sorry. Yes, so I guess there's 10 people in total. The expedition costs about $22,300 for the other nine Hoosiers, including airfare, documentation, ground transportation, hotel accommodations, logistics, and travel agency fees, according to the Capital Chronicle. Now, So he's taking his buddies, too. Diego claims, quote, the majority of the trip was funded from federal grants designated for educational activities. Um, Where'd the feds get the money? Uh, <laughs> from us! <laughs> okay. That makes it better. <laughs> She's, uh, they got them from us. 
and it doesn't matter. And with Diego, everything he says is sketchy anyway. And you can't believe a single solitary word that comes out of his mouth. So we'll believe the documentation when they produce it. But just like him explaining how you could take a homestead credit in one county and vote in another, I'm going to guess that explanation or documentation will never come. This guy's a joke. He's a goof. He's a loser. And he is proof that in this state, all you have to do is put an R next to your name and we will literally, literally, it's like Ron Burgundy with the with the prompter, we will literally vote for absolutely anyone as long as that letter is an R. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, our old friend Susan Beckwith, as she always does, going to help us wrap up the week. The Bell of the Midwest, it's pet etiquette. Mind your manners. Coming up next, Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. Foxy lady. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's time to mind your manners with Susan Beckwith. It is time to mind your manners. It's time to send you into the weekend as a better, more productive member of society. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. And for those of you who are new every week, every Friday, we end the week on a positive note, on a high note, on a way to make you a better member of society. And in order to do that, we reach out to our own former Miss Indiana, Susan Beckwith, who joins us now. Susan, how are you? Good. We made it. It's it, Friday. Okay. So uh, I am finding, you know, when I was a single man and then even as a, a married man before children, the weekend was wild. It was wacky. It was adventurous. And now all the days that I have a child, they just run together. Is that how it is in your house? <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. We're getting ready to start back to school, which is exciting. So our big Friday evening is going to be an ice cream social uh, back to school event. <laughs> How exciting. Okay, well, uh, the, the uh, topic for this week to to make people uh, better etiquette, uh, better manners, better members of society, and this is so timely for me because I just took my, uh, my Bulldog Bruce to the vet yesterday. It is pet etiquette. Susan, what is the number one thing in terms of pet etiquette people should know? I love it, and I love Bruce. Um, today, we are going to kind of focus specifically on dog ownership, so it's very timely. And uh, so this actually came about through a discussion with my colleague, and I'll try to be really brief, but basically we're in a little challenge to see who can get to 100 miles the quickest in August. So oh. she was walking after work, trying to get those steps in. She had her boyfriend's little dog with her. It's a, a uh, wiener dog chihuahua mix, so a very small little dog, and she was approached by two very very large breed dogs, and it created this very chaotic situation. Um, they came kind of barreling at them, and they had a collar on as well as a leash, but the owner was not 
holding the leash. And oh. so that is so important. So just keep your dog on a leash. <laughs> that's, okay. And one of the reasons I love this uh, segment we do each week is you will say things and I would say, well, that seems like kind of common sense, but it is amazing how few people in the world actually have common sense. Having your dog, holding your dog on a leash seems like common sense. Yes, actually, several states um, make it, it's required by law to do so. Indiana is not one of them, but, you know, there are a lot of people that are uncomfortable around dogs. So even if you know that they're well-mannered, that is just a very basic one. And the other kind of part two of that story that was, you know, upsetting is that there was no apology given once they finally came and kind of were trying to rescue her to say, I'm so sorry, you know, that that happened. It was, you know, this my fault. You know, there was none of that. So uh, if, if that would to take place definitely then express you know your your apologies okay so uh, my my qu- real question that i had for you and i think this may be the most important one is what obligation do i have as a pet owner a dog owner to reveal whether my dog is friendly or not because i have an english bulldog people love english bulldogs they see them they know naturally they're very friendly dogs they're in the commercials you they're lovable 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 creatures so they want to come up and pet bruce but i will i will uh, I will just be proactive and say he's very friendly. However, if you pet him, he will try to be your your next best friend. So if you don't need that, be very careful. What what obligation do I have to reveal the friendliness or lack thereof of my animal? That's excellent. And actually, the other part of that, people should ask you know, before they just assume. So, you know, again, these are all very basic things, but uh, they're good to review, but that is good that you communicate that, and then people should always ask before just going in and trying to pet. And Bruce is absolutely adorable, and I hope to meet him someday. <laughs> well, it's it, it will just change your life forever, Susan. I mean, uh, it's uh, when you've met Bruce, your day is just better off. Oh, well, I'm a big dog dog lover. Actually, I was talking to Micah last night as a quick review on what this segment was going to be on today. And he said, well, you know, I was on the radio first talking about dog etiquette. And I thought, I don't know if I even want to open that uh, can of worms. But you've made the connection. We loved our dog, Max. He, when he became ill, we did have to put him down in a wonderful vet in Cicero did that for us. Uh, yes, maybe another time we'll go into the what Micah said. And boy, that was just uh, that was there was just a cavalcade of outrage uh, from the, yes. from, the, from the audience. Uh, Susan, back with our guests. It's your Mind, Your Manners segment. Uh, this week, it's pet etiquette. All right, Susan, what are some other things people should remember when it comes to pet etiquette? Okay, so when you have guests coming to your home, you need to make sure that your pet, specifically your dog, is not jumping up on visitors. Hopefully they are trained and you can have some sort of word or phrase where they know that that is inappropriate. But if not, then you need to take steps to be sure to either crate them or confine them. See, I feel like uh, it's very rare, Susan, when we do do this segment, I say, man, I leave feeling good about myself because usually I'm failing at all the things you're talking about. However, I do this because Bruce has a thing while he's super super lazy and snores and rarely moves. When people come in, he's very excited because he wants to be everyone's best friend. And as such, it takes about 10 minutes for him to stop caring that the person is in the house. So I do crate him. And then everybody inevitably says, I'd like to go see Bruce. And I say, okay, you go in there at your own leisure. It's like swimming in the ocean. There could be a shark in there. If you know, go forward. And it's usually just fine. So I feel like I'm doing all the things you're saying proactively. 
I'm so proud of you, and that is excellent. And, you know, the, the crating is, is smart, especially also if you are having a dinner party and your dog specifically is one that will beg for scraps. So that's a, another little thing to remember as far as confining them when you're welcoming guests in, uh, into your home. Okay, let's talk about the begging for scraps. I maintain you should not <laughs> feed a dog from the table because yep. that teaches yep. them to beg for food from the table, and a lot of people do this. Susan, you are the etiquette expert. You read these people. You tell them what's what's going on. Well, you just said it beautifully, and I don't even know if I could add much, to, uh, you know, more to that. But you're exactly right. It really creates a bad habit, not only when you have guests, but then just, you know, when you don't, and then they have that expectation. So, do not feed them scraps from the table. <laughs> uh, we want to give you a chance to promote your very fabulous Bell the Midwest website. But before we do that, one final thing people should remember when it comes to pet etiquette. Okay, so when if you would happen to leave your dog outside, and if you're leaving them for long periods of time, they act, this can actually lead to what they call boredom barking. Oh. And so you want to be very mindful of that so that it kind of reduces excessive barking. So uh, just be you know cognizant of that. So if you're going to leave your dog outside, boredom barking. Boredom barking. I feel like yes. that's, I feel like that's what I do on the radio every single day. Boredom barking. <laughs> Yes, there will be uh, probably some others that I'll, I'll even elaborate more into. So um, I know you mentioned we're going to kind of talk a little bit about my website, but on Facebook, a lot of times I will post the segment, and then if there's any additional points we did not have time to get to, they could also use that as a reference. Perfect. Speaking of that, tell us about Bell of the Midwest Facebook uh, website, any other place you want people to be able to find you. I love it. Okay, so my website, really exciting. If you have past Mind Your Manners episodes you want to get caught up on, or if you say, oh, I know all of these things, but I'd really love to send this one to my neighbor or this one to a family member, you can go, and there is a tab specifically for Mind Your Manners on my website. And then there's also some great blog posts. Today there is one on back-to-school etiquette, so be sure to check it out. And if you have an etiquette question, go ahead and submit that through my website as well. Bell of the Midwest, B-E-L-L-E of the Midwest. West.com. That's the website also available on Facebook. Susan, back with you are the best. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. And that is going to do it for us today. That is going to do it for us this week. Hope everyone has a very safe and happy weekend. Thanks to Ethan Hatcher filling in today. Kevin doing his usual great job. Be sure to stick around. Tony Katz coming up next. It's the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC.